coming up on this episode of the MD and Chef Team Show. What happens when you talk to somebody that says, I eat all organic, I'm eating strictly vegan, and I still can't lose weight? What do you do with that? And most of the doctors in the conventional world don't know how to deal with that. Oh, they And then do. they just say, you're they, lying. There's a pill. Here's yeah. a pill. I'm yes. like, no, that's not the answer. Welcome to the show from the, the MD, MD and Chef, Chef team. team. I'm Dr. Isabel, medical doctor here at the MD and Chef team. And who are you? And I'm Chef Michael, culinary nutrition expert. I'm the chef part of the team. And what are we going to talk about, babe? Now, I can say that because he's my husband. <laughs> yes. Well, then we'll be talking about marriage, relationships, parenting, intimacy. Ooh. We'll talk about mindsets of success, overcoming depression, anxiety. I'll be getting into functional nutrition, recipes and tips from the kitchen. And we're going to both get into how to live a long, healthy, vibrant life. Yes, I love it. Our mission is to help you prevent and reverse disease and give you hope in the process. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. We, we like, like to have, have fun, fun too. <laughs> so let's, let's get, get on, on with the show. Hello, everybody. I'm your host, Dr. Isabel. The chef part of the MDN chef team isn't here today. It's me, and I get mm -hmm. to interview Dr. Deb Muth. Dr. Deb Muth is a naturopathic doctor author, national speaker, and the owner of Serenity Healthcare Center outside of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, America, the Midwest's leading functional medical clinic. I love that. You're giving you. me ideas. <laughs> uh, she is the founder of the Vibrant Female, a health optimization program for high-performing female executives. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She also has a podcast and she's a host of Let's Talk Wellness Now, where thousands of listeners have joined for important conversations with experts surrounding physical and mental health. She also has just launched, why not? You know, let's just keep going. <laughs> that's, that's why when I was reading this, I was like, oh, she's my kind of woman. <laughs> Let's see. She also has just launched the Functional Medicine Business Institute, which helps practitioners develop custom strategies and systems to grow their functional medical practices. Yeah. 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 Let's grow them, right? Let's grow the leaders. Yes. She's an advocate for women's health issues and an expert in the field of bioidentical hormone therapy and sexual dysfunction. She works with men and women, yeah, because they all have hormones who suffer with chronic illness, Lyme disease, thyroid dysfunction, chronic and adrenal fatigue, menopause, and malopause, right? That's right. <laughs> and infertility and various endocrine-related diseases that involve hormonal imbalance. Welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here. It's a pleasure. I love everything that you're doing. You know, and that's what's going on, isn't it? Would you agree with me that functional oh, medicine yeah. is going to be the way medicine is in the next 20 years? Yes, I agree. You know, when I started 25 years ago, we were the outliers, the fringe, the quacks, you know, and now it's just the way medicine should be. It's, And I think it's the medicine that people practiced in the 50s and 60s. 
where they got to the root cause. They weren't just prescribing drugs, partially because they didn't have a lot of them back then, but they looked for the root cause. And then somehow we got away from that and medicine changed a little bit. And now we're coming back to that side where people don't want to just take a drug. They want to know why, why is this happening and what can I do to fix it? Absolutely. And Deb, you know, I was just on social media because I I go into social media and help people along the way. And Mm -hmm. one of the comments I got back this morning that I looked at and it made me sad, you know, she said she was definitely from America and this is around the world, but functional Mm -hmm. medicine isn't covered by insurance companies. Correct. Uh, Yeah, Mm -hmm. that is correct. But I want to hear what you would say to this. Mm -hmm. What would you say to that? Because I've got my statement that I'll say, do you want me to go first or do you want to go first? It doesn't matter. (laughs) You're the guest, so I'll let you get it. (laughs) All right. You know, I have mixed feelings about this because the reality is insurance in America, it's not here to help the patient. It's here to make the insurance company money. And there is a very different philosophy when all they care about is their bottom line. And if they truly cared about wellness and keeping people healthy and reducing their costs, Mm. they would pay for functional medicine because then those people wouldn't end up with heart disease and cancer and need a transplant and all those things that cost millions of dollars to the insurance company. But somehow the CEOs haven't quite figured that out yet, that paying a little bit up front will save them a lot down the road. And in the U.S., I don't think they care because, you know, every year somebody's got to change insurance plans. So they just pass it off to the next insurance carrier. So if they don't have to pay the $100,000, that's great. Let them push it off to somebody else. And so I think the whole healthcare system here in the U.S. is broken and it needs a complete overhaul. And if, it, if functional medicine was at the forefront of it, we would be a much healthier nation. So two things on that. One, it's not just in America. It's here in New Zealand. Okay. And Australia. So just so you know, it's outside of the American borders. Yeah. And two, I don't get it. I just don't get why. Do you understand why they wouldn't want to prevent disease? Like, I don't understand why. I don't understand. Yeah. Well, the only thing I can think of is the answer to their shareholders, right? And if they're backing things that make more money for their shareholders, then they can't provide as much income. But functional medicine is so inexpensive compared to what we understand as conventional medicine and therapies and, you know, drugs that cost thousands of dollars for one pill, you know, compared to a supplement that maybe costs $50 for a two-month supply. I don't know why. Part of me is nervous if they ever do get their hands on it, because how much are they going to regulate it to the point where they tie our hands as to what we do that makes somebody better, too? Mm. I mean, we have that on the flip side. It's kind of scary, too. But yeah, yeah, true. Good point. Good point. Mm. My answer to her, which I'm not going to put in social media because it won't be taken Mm -hmm. correctly. So I'll just I won't say this. But you know what? Make a choice to choose yourself Mm -hmm. and your health. My clients, my patients say functional medicine has is the most inexpensive way of taking care of my health long term. So invest. You're either going to pay for it now or you're going to pay for it later. I encourage Mm -hmm. people to give up a vacation for a year or two if you got to and use Mm -hmm. that money to focus on your health, because, man. If you don't have your health, you and I both know what it looks like. You and Mm -hmm. I both know what chronic disease looks like. And it's ugly. 
It is. It's so bad. And I think too, I agree. Like if you want to pay for functional medicine, don't go to Starbucks every day. And that would be your fund to pay for functional medicine. Like we can find ways to pay for functional medicine. It's just whether or not people want to prioritize that. And I think we've all been ingrained that if insurance pays for it, then it must be good for me. And if insurance doesn't pay for it, I must not need it. And we've just all been brainwashed to think that way. Right, right. Like my mentor said, John Maxwell, we're in control of one thing, and that is our choices. And I encourage people to start making choices that will help them, Mm -hmm. you know, and Starbucks is not going to help them. No, it might help your mental health for like an hour. (laughs) (laughs) But that's about it. (laughs) All right, let's dive into the questions, okay? All right, sounds good. Women and hormones. Why should a woman or a man consider replacing hormones as they age? I love this question. I love this question. It's great. So (laughs) women and men should consider hormones as we age for a couple of reasons. A, you want to stay as healthy and vibrant for as long as you possibly can. If we look back to how people looked in the early 1900s when they were 40, compared to what they look like today. That's a big reason. Part of it's nutrition. Yes. Part of it's the stress we had, although I'll argue we have different stress now, worse probably, but just different. But if you want your brain to work and you want your body to do what you want it to do at 50, 60, and 70, hormones are the ticket for that. You know, we love the vanity. Our skin looks good. Our hair is better. And we joke about this a lot with our clients is you come to me for hormones because you're having hot flashes and night sweats and you can't sleep. When you're 60, you're staying on those hormones because you can think. You're not forgetting where you put your car keys. You're not forgetting what you're doing at work. You still have a sex drive. Your body looks lean. It looks beautiful. And you feel amazing. And that's the key. You know, we don't want heart disease at a young age. We don't want bone loss at a young age. And those are important factors. And we could argue they're better medical factors than some of the other things. But we have to function. If we have to work until we're 65 or plus these days, as they're talking about, we have to have the cognitive ability to do that. And when you lose hormones, you lose that cognitive ability to be able to function in the world the way you do today. Yes, absolutely. And um, are you familiar with Dr. Dale Bredesen, who wrote the book, The End of Alzheimer's? My husband and I have been trained under him to do the the reversing Mm -hmm. cognitive decline and the pre-code, preventing cognitive decline. And one of the categories that you need to look at is hormones, because if Mm -hmm. the hormones aren't good, and we're talking, I mean, Deb, you're talking not only estrogen and testosterone, you're you're talking about all the hormones. All the hormones. Correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if those hormones aren't balanced correctly, yeah, it will affect our thinking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's a scary time. You know, nobody wants to age quickly. Everyone's afraid of two things. I don't want Alzheimer's and I don't want breast cancer. Yeah, that is when they come in, that's their big fears. And they'll come in saying, I think I have Alzheimer's disease because I can't remember anything. And then you dig a little deeper and you find out, oh, I haven't been sleeping since I hit menopause or earlier even. You know, I'm not exercising because I can't. I've got all this anxiety because my hormones are messed up and they don't realize it. 
But all of those things play a huge role on the cognitive piece of things. And we don't talk about that enough. No, we don't. And it's because conventional medicine doesn't understand it enough. It's functional medicine that gets to the reason why we're having these issues. Can you share with the listeners what kind of, what are the hormones? Like, what are the hormones you're talking about? Yeah. So when we're talking about hormones, we're talking about something called bioidentical hormones, meaning that if I took a molecule from your body of a hormone, say estrogen, for instance, and looked at it under the microscope, it would have a nice configuration to it. When we do bioidentical hormones, it's exactly the same way. If I put a bioidentical hormone molecule under the microscope and one from your body, nobody would be able to tell the difference. That's what makes it different than a synthetic hormone. So a synthetic hormone like Premarin or Prempro, they start out with the same molecular structure, but then we change it. We put a little tag here and a little thing here so we can patent it. And the pharmaceutical companies can make a lot of money from it that way. In the bioidentical world, we can't patent that because it's natural. Most of them are either made from wild yam or a soy plant, but we can actually get any hormone we need out of that. So estrogen, progesterone, testosterone are the three common ones that most people understand. But then we have DHEA and pregnenolone and LH and melatonin and vitamin D is actually a hormone, not a vitamin. And so there's all these other hormones that we can manipulate to make you feel as good as you did when you were 20. And that's the goal. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing, but we need them all. I know we do need them all and they need to be balanced. You know, they need to be balanced. And uh, when I started learning about hormones in functional medicine, I was blown away that you don't Mm -hmm. have to be afraid of getting breast cancer. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be afraid of getting strokes or heart disease, because if you're using the correct treatment with bioidentical Mm -hmm. hormones and you've looked at your risk factors and you know, you can mm-hmm. actually prevent that from happening. I mean, there's, you can make sure that your risks are very low, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember the first time I learned about <laughs> testosterone preventing breast cancer. And this was probably about 20 years ago. And I went, wait a minute, women with higher testosterone levels have a, a lower risk of breast cancer, but yet we refuse to give women testosterone in the conventional world. Why is that? And when I started looking back at all of the women in our practice to that point who had developed breast cancer, every one of them had a low testosterone level. And this was years prior before anybody was even giving testosterone to women that we were looking back at. But to look at that and say, wait a minute, we can optimize your testosterone level, allow you to use estrogen and lower your risk of breast cancer. That's a no brainer for us. Right. All right and build muscle and burn body fat and give you a sex drive all at the same time. Bonus. Yeah. Why not? (laughs) I was just doing a a webinar with Dr. Tara Scott, the hormone guru. Yes. Mm -hmm. And she was, so she's a gynecologist, as you know. And Mm -hmm. so she, she's like me, I'm a medical doctor, conventionally trained and a functional medicine doctor. Mm -hmm. So we've got our feet in both like, okay, what's happening here. Okay. Well, this is what's (laughs) happening here. And she said, so I want to share this with you and your mm-hmm. listeners to give people hope that in conventional medicine, it's very woo-woo 
for a doctor to say, oh, we need to look at your estrogen metabolites, you know, the estrones, right? Which oh is, my gosh. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. Which are huge, which is what we, you and I learn mm-hmm. to look at in the Dutch yes. test or whatever kind of hormone test mm-hmm. we're looking at, because it's the estrones that increase, especially mm-hmm. that 408. Yes. And it's so surprising because we've known that since the mid 90s, that it's the estrone that's bad, but it's taken this long for people to start even looking at it in the conventional world. Yeah. But she said that there's still in conventional medicine, there's still it's woo woo to look at that. But but here's the hope. The cool thing is that they're looking at the gut microbiome. Yeah. Yay. It's about time. <laughs> and how it's important to make sure that the gut microbiome is working correctly to, so that it can clear all of the hormones. So, yes. you know, like I said, it's going to take about 20 years. It'll take 20 years. You bet yeah. it will. And that's well, a sad thing, but it will come. Yeah, yeah, it will come. However, you know, we're we're the pioneers. We are. And I love being the pioneer. It's so much fun. Oh, yeah. Raw. <laughs> There's so much pushback. I can't yeah. believe it. I'm like, you guys, like, I'll never forget. I've got colleagues that say to me, wait a minute. That's not true. That's not. Ev- There's no evidence based research mm. on that. And I go, I just look at them and I go, do you read? I mean, mm-hmm. Do you read? Are you so comfortable in your little bubble of what you know? Have you looked out and read Dr. Amon's books and Dr. Malter and Mark Mm -hmm. Hyman and all the books? And you've got a book, right? Mm -hmm. Which we'll talk about. We'll talk about Mm -hmm. at the end. But the point is, is that read, read outside of what we've been taught. Yeah. Yeah. Are you afraid of having Alzheimer's? Well, you don't have to anymore. You see, the most up-to-date medical research now shows us having Alzheimer's is an option. Yes, you heard me right. Having Alzheimer's is an option. You can learn how by having your very own personalized pre-code report. Now, you're probably asking me, what is a pre-code report? Great question. Pre-code stands for Preventing Cognitive Decline. And the pre-code report shows you what unique areas you can start working on right away. All of this has been made available by my genius mentor and medical doctor, Dr. Dale Bredesen, who has been researching this for 30 plus years and wrote the best book ever called The End of Alzheimer's. Having Alzheimer's is now an option. There is hope. For more information on how to get your pre-code underway, look for the link in the show notes. Now, back to the podcast. Okay, so let's see. Let's talk about the medical concerns of using bioidentical hormones. What do you go through when Mm -hmm. you talk to a client? So when I go and I talk to a client for the first time and they are interested in using hormones, I want to know where their family history lies. Is there a family history of stroke? Is there a family history of heart disease? What's their cancer history like? But not necessarily from the aspect that I want to rule them out as a candidate. Those things tell me that person needs hormones more than anybody. Because if we're going to prevent a stroke, we're going to prevent a heart attack, we're going to prevent breast cancer, 
we need to make sure that all those hormones are optimized and that they're clearing things. And it gives me a little bit of an idea of where they might have some genetic mutations or some genetic, some people don't like the word mutation. I just use it. It's easy. But where genetically they might be having an issue. So are they not clearing their estrogens? Are they having problems with detox pathways? Do they have an APOE gene that may be blocked that could cause them to have Alzheimer's or dementia or heart disease? And then I want to optimize all of those phases for them so that we can do this safely and give them the benefits that they want from hormones. So that's the first place that we start looking at things. And interestingly enough, we see a lot of chronically ill patients who have entered into menopause early because of Lyme disease or tick-borne disease or mold toxicity, and those things have disrupted their endocrine system. And when it's taken out their endocrine system and they're 40 and they have hormones like a 60-year-old, that's a major problem. And so we don't want someone to have a lack of hormones that early on, and we want to make sure we're optimizing them. So I want to know, like, what's your history like? Have you had an illness? Have you lived in a moldy building? Have you traveled someplace? What could have tanked these hormones? And then we want to try to rebuild from there. Just like you were talking about the gut microbiome, we look at that as well not just their hormones, but we're looking at their whole body as a whole person to see where where is the the lapse in the hormones being produced? How did that happen? When did that maybe happen? And then what are our options to bring those back up again? Right. And do you also look at their BMI? Yes. That's mm-hmm. so touchy. It is. I mean, when mm-hmm. I, I mean, okay, so what do you say about their BMI greater than 25? I mean, how do you approach that? Because I'm, it's the a world, one. the world says, oh, be body happy with whatever kind of body you have. And I'm like, <laughs> you guys don't listen to that lie. Yeah, it's a lie. Yes. And most women or men that come in, they are already sensitive to the fact that they, have put on 20, 30, 40 pounds in this journey of whatever they've been through, especially if they've been chronically ill and they don't want that, that extra weight. They want to be the weight that they were when they were 18 or 20, you know, 50 pounds lighter, 20 pounds lighter. And so we have to have a conversation about that. Like, where did this weight come from? What are you doing? Because all of those exogenous estrogens or environmental estrogens, which are the ones we talk about that are bad, they're endocrine disruptors, they're being stored in their body fat. And okay, so they're okay, creating more I, I problems. Got, I, I want to halt right here. I want everybody to hear what Dr. Deb just said about the bad estrogens and where they're kept. Okay. Yeah. One more time, please. Yeah. So all those bad estrogens that are in our environment, we can talk where we find them too, but they store in your body fat and they prevent you from losing weight and they disrupt all of your other hormones. So we have to get that body fat out of there to move these estrogens that are bad for us because they're ultimately the ones that cause the cancer and all the other problems. It's not our own hormones. It's all those environmental ones that are so terrible for us. So we have to have a conversation about diet and exercise and lifestyle and what can we do to move that body fat out quickly so that it doesn't cause more damage for you. Deb, I mean, you know, it just hurts my heart to see that we're not having this conversation. I mean, you and I are, but because it's so, you know, it's so touchy, it's triggers Mm -hmm. and stuff. And like, We got to have these conversations because there's so much that we can do, right? Mm -hmm. To prevent breast cancer, to prevent Mm -hmm. strokes, to prevent heart attacks. And 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, yeah. Uh, you're familiar with Dr. Gabor Mate. Yes. Oh, and if, have you seen the movie, The Trauma of Wisdom? I mean, I have not. the wisdom, the wisdom of trauma. No, I'm going to write that down. If you, if you go to the, the wisdom of trauma, the wisdom of trauma.com, okay. there's, there's an hour and a half movie and he's mm-hmm. in it and stuff. And so the point is, and this is just a simple equation for you and I and the mm-hmm. rest of the world to understand is Dr. Mate teaches us that we all go through trauma. We all go through trauma, mm-hmm. which will lead to pain. And pain will lead to escape. And we escape in all of the different ways of the following. For instance, eating, Mm -hmm. gambling, spending more money than we need to, drugs, Mm -hmm. alcohol, pornography, being in control. But in particular, the food. You know, we have to get to the cause of why are you overeating? What happened? And these are deep conversations that that need to happen, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's not like, oh, you just need to lose weight. Go do it. Get out of my way. You know, it's no <laughs> yeah, <good>. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> because the doctors in conventional world don't have time to spend to talk to somebody about it. And they don't know what to do about it either. What, what happens when you talk to somebody that says, I eat all organic, I'm eating strictly vegan, and I still can't lose weight. What do you do with that? And most of the doctors in the conventional world don't know how to deal with that. Oh, they and then do. they just say, you're they, lying. There's a pill. Here's yeah. a pill. I'm yes. like, no, that's not the answer. Yes. And you must be lying because that wouldn't happen. But I'll tell you, we have a device in our office that measures metabolic rate for people. So we can measure someone's metabolism at rest and say, okay, this is how many calories you're burning at rest. And I will tell you, eight out of 10 of the women that we see that are postmenopausal have no metabolism left anymore. And you have to question, like, where did that go? Why do you have no metabolism? And and these are people that are doing some pretty good lifestyle things. You know, they, they could exercise a little bit more. Some of them, yes. But some of them are already athletes. They're already eating well. They have zero metabolism. Why? I have one gal that's negative 47% metabolism. She should be eating like 700 calories a day. That's her metabolic rate. And you have to then unlock like what happened to that metabolism. And, and in part, it may be lifestyle. A lot of times it's infection. What it kind can, of infection? What kind of infections are we talking so about? We're seeing things like Lyme disease, chronic mold toxicity, viruses. We're seeing a lot of post-COVID metabolism. That's a problem. Herpes families, viruses like HHV6 or shingles will take that out as well. And some of our people have thyroid issues, but not all of them. So in the past, we've always blamed it on thyroid, but it's it's not the case, at least in our office. Yes, some do, but some don't. And even if we put them on thyroid medication, we're, it's not activating their metabolism. So we have to then go back and try to reset that metabolic rate with things like the AIP diet, or we have to look at a genetic diet for them or something individualized to try to raise that metabolism up for them. Because that's a real problem then. Wow. Yeah. 700 calories a day is nothing. It's nothing. Mm -mm. Do you have people that need to be, that are just on a 700 calorie a day diet? I have people that are at that point. 
we are encouraging them not to do that because I'd rather see them burn more calories and raise up their calorie intake to offset that. Because I think a lot of them, that's how we they got there in the first place was they just kept restricting and restricting and restricting. Yes. And it just kept turning off their metabolism. So now we have to try to awaken that again. So we're trying to say, okay, increase your your diet by 300 calories, but then let's offset and burn those 300 extra calories. So it's an equal point and you're not putting on more weight. Yeah. The other thing we see is when we can build more muscle mass in the body, we'll see their calorie ability to come up a little bit more. That metabolic rate will come up more if they have more muscle mass versus body fat. Very interesting. Very yeah. interesting. And about just a couple of things. So macronutrients, getting the macronutrients yeah. right, you know, yes. uh, mm-hmm. is so, so key because we eat. I mean, people have been taught to be afraid of carbs, but, you know, carbs are OK. But if we restrict and restrict and restrict, that will decrease our metabolic rate. Exactly. Our, bo- our body will go into starvation mode going, oh, I can survive by only needing these many calories. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes, that's, exactly. That's the men- that's the beautiful mentality of ourselves. Mm-hmm. They're so smart. The body's so smart. So yeah, I love that you teach about that because that's so mm-hmm. important. And about the exhaust, the uh, shingles. Yeah. So what do you do to suppress the shingle expression in the body? So we're using natural antivirals. So things like transfer factor, we are using, I, I love an, a line from Dr. Cowden called Nutramedics. So we use a lot of his antivirals, Takuna, Kina is another one that we'll use. L-lysine, we'll do high-dose L-lysine. Yeah. Um, and then we also use something called LDN, low-dose naltrexone, to try to balance the immune system and support that too. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I haven't, I haven't delved into naltrexone, but, mm-hmm. you know. One of these yeah. days I'll learn about that too. <laughs> exactly. It's an easy one to learn about. <laughs> and so the next question is, how long can people use hormones for? I say they can use them until they are ready to die. I know, me too. Mm-hmm. Just make sure that you're working with a doctor that will, you know, follow the exactly. levels. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, we test, don't guess. Let's just make sure. That's right. Because mm-hmm. maybe one year later, you don't need that much estrogen. Exactly. Right. Testing, I think, is key. You know, when people just give hormones and they don't test anything, that makes me nervous and uncomfortable. I like to test. I want to make sure things are balanced. I like, I want to make sure you're clearing things properly. But I think if you do those things, you can safely use hormones for as long as you want to. There's no reason you should have to stop. And and I see women who will come in and say, can I stop? I'm just tired. Sure, you can stop if you want to. And then when you don't like what happens in two months, call me back and I'll give you the hormones again. And seven out of 10 times, that's what happens. They, they're like, oh my gosh, I don't like this. I'm not sleeping. I'm irritable. I'm moody. I'm anxious. All of a sudden, I look like I've aged a ton. And then most of them will start back on the hormones. Yes. <laughs> Oh, if only medicine was doing it like this. So many people right? wouldn't be suffering. And what about, uh, do you, for breast surveillance, mm-hmm. do you use mammography and thermography or do you use one or the other or? 
We do both. Um, I like thermography first because for those people who don't understand it, it's a heat sensored picture that we're taking of the breast. And we can see inflammatory processes that happen seven to 10 years earlier than we're going to detect on mammogram. So if we see this breast is really inflamed and your lymph system is clogged, we know that we have to start doing things to support the breast tissue to drain so that you don't ever develop a cancer there. So we do do both. I have some clients that choose to not do mammogram at all and totally understand that. And I have others that will alternate. Some years they'll do thermography, some they'll do mammogram. I personally don't do mammogram. I don't like the torque compression on the breast. I heard a a doc speak one day and he said, you know, it it takes five pounds of torque compression on the breast to metastasize a cancerous tumor. We deliver 15 pounds of torque compression in a mammogram. And I went, holy cow, that whole radiation thing, not a problem anymore. The torque compression is a problem for me. And so if you can get breast MRI, I'd much rather see people get a breast MRI because there's no radiation, no torque compression, and we're going to pick things up in the tiniest spec in an MRI, even compared to a mammogram or thermography. So if they can afford that or they can get that, I'd rather see that than mammogram, but otherwise mammogram and breast thermography are great. Absolutely. Absolutely. I hear you. I hear you. I personally use thermography. My doctor's like, oh, but, you know, the studies show. And I'm like, oh, here's all the paper you can read, all the papers you can read. And about hormones, if you were to ask me how long I'm going to be using my hormones. Yeah. I know what it's like to be without hormones. And it was scary. Scary. So I will be using hormones until my last breath here on earth. Me too. Me too. You too? Mm -hmm. Yeah, me too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just not worth it. Uh uh-uh. uh. No. And it's interesting, you know, that about Alzheimer's, that two thirds of people with Alzheimer's are women. And mm-hmm. what I've seen is that women in their 40s and 50s, and look, this happened, I was this kind of a doctor until I learned better, mm-hmm. uh, which would present in, your, in their 40s and 50s with anxiety. And I would yeah. just put them on antidepressants and mm-hmm. never even think mm-hmm. or even have the knowledge to check their hormones and all the other, you know, nutrients. And, Mm -hmm. and then what happens is now they get into their sixties and they're starting to show signs of Alzheimer's. And I have to take them slowly after you repair the Mm -hmm. groundwork is take them off, get their hormones stabilized. They start coming alive and then slowly take them off the antidepressant Mm -hmm. because the antidepressant wasn't the answer. Right. Exactly. You know, it was a low progesterone and probably a low DHEA and estrogen at 50. And and most of the time it's progesterone. That's the issue. Oh, yeah. Progesterone. I love Mm -hmm. progesterone. (laughs) I don't love progesterone so much personally. I'm one of those women that doesn't like a lot of progesterone. But how come? What happens? It makes me very moody and very irritable. I get really moody and irritable. So I use more pregnenolone and a little bit of progesterone to try to offset those two. So I don't have that side effect of the progesterone. Oh, that's very interesting. Well, that's what we're taught is that it can go down into the cortisol pathway, Mm -hmm. right? Yes. So you have to be careful with that. Oh, Mm -hmm. the things we have learned, (laughs) right? (laughs) I know there's so much. Now, I definitely want to have you back to talk about mold on another podcast. Yeah, that's huge, too. It's a huge problem. Yeah. We definitely can talk about that one. Yeah. And it's also seen 
in a lot of patients with Alzheimer's. Yes. Who mm-hmm. would have ever thought that? Yes. So, Deb, before we go, could you give three action steps that our people can listen to and take away and start implementing right away? Absolutely. So my first action step would be this. If you think you have hormonal issues, track them, get yourself a little diary or use a little phone app, you know, that has a period tracker if you're still menstruating and document your symptoms on the days you have them, because you're going to start to find a pattern to what's happening with your symptoms of where you are in your menstrual cycle. And since hormones shift throughout the menstrual cycle, it's really nice to be able to see when you're getting the symptoms that you have. If you're already postmenopausal and you're not bleeding anymore, you're still doing a little cycling. So you still want to track those symptoms because it might track back to when you used to have your period. So the more information you can gather when you see your practitioner, the more they can help you. And especially right away, because once you start telling them where you are in your cycle, they'll know exactly what hormones disrupted. That's the first thing. The second thing I would say is if you have a practitioner or a doctor who doesn't want to have this conversation with you, don't be afraid to fire them. It's okay to fire them and find someone else that is going to work with you on your terms. You're the consumer. You're paying for it. Find somebody that's going to partner with you and not dictate to you. And then number three, I would say, don't be afraid you know, learn. There's lots of modalities out there. There's lots of practitioners educating people on hormones and infection and everything. The more you can learn, the better off you are. But also when you're learning that information, be cautious with it. You know, check with a practitioner that you trust that the information you received is correct for you. Because a lot of times we give general information in education, but it may not directly apply to you. So don't just go buy everything you see or believe everything you hear from somebody. Check it out with somebody you trust that knows you because then it'll it'll be specific to you. Right. It's very it's personalized precision medicine. Yes. So Mm -hmm. that's a great point. So the three is track. Number two is okay to fire. And number three is learn, 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 and make sure you got somebody that you can consult with. So don't learn Mm -hmm. just from stage, you know, Uh, Mm -hmm. and consult because it's all about precision medicine. Mm -hmm. Thank thank you. Now you've written a book. I have. Tell tell us. Uh, And where can we find the book? Yes. So the book is called The Dark Side of Injury. And it is a somewhat of a memoir of an injury my husband received at work. So it talks a lot about workman's comp, uh, the medical legal system. Unfortunately, he was injured on the job. His employer sent him home, didn't want to provide care, fired him in the midst of things. And then on top of it, we hired a surgeon who I knew and trusted, um, but didn't realize, unfortunately, he developed a drug problem and he experimented on my husband and my husband was permanently injured as a result of his surgery. And so I talk about how to ask the questions, interview the docs, get to people, understand workman's comp, medical legal liability, and what are your rights as a consumer and as a patient to say yes and no to these things? Because I... I knew all the things to do. I knew all the questions to ask and it still happened to my husband. And so I want people to be really aware of what their rights are when it comes to these kinds of things. I'm so sorry that that happened. Thank you. My husband's much better now. 
Right. He just underwent his fourth back surgery to repair some damage, but he he's alive and he's well, and he's in much better place than a lot of the other patients, unfortunately, this physician. And he's got a great mindset. You know, mindset is everything. He could have taken this and said, you know, it's your fault or I'm damaged or I'm this. And he didn't do that. He really took it and said, I can still do all of the things that I could do. I just have to do them differently. I can't do them the same way. And that's the whole thing about healing. You know, do we become the victim or do we become the person that fights it and overcomes it? Yes. Mm -hmm. Amen. (laughs) Yeah. The victor or the victim. Exactly. I I love to win. Me too. I've got somebody that I know through a a mentorship group that I'm in, and she I'll definitely refer that book because she she has injury from a surgery and she's going through a hellacious period. This will all be in the show notes, but where can people find you, hon? They can find me at serenityhealthcarecenter.com. That's my clinic here in Wisconsin. You could also find me on my podcast at Let's Talk Wellness Now. And I am on social media. You can just find me, Deborah Muth. I'm there as well. Great. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. This has been fun. Yeah, lots of fun. And we'll have you back talking about mold. Yes, thank you. I'd love to. All righty. Thank you, everyone, for joining Dr. Deb and myself today. You know, it's all about learning. Just please make sure that you've got somebody that you trust as a physician to say, hey, what do you think about this? Somebody that you've got a relationship with that's guiding you, that's walking alongside you and not dictating to you, just like Dr. Deb said. It's so important, okay? So be empowered and remain unstoppable. Thank you for your time. Have a super (laughs) fantastic day. Bye for now. Hello, Chef Michael here. If you enjoyed today's episode, we would love it if you subscribe to the podcast and left us a review.